The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders, taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 105. I hope that you guys are doing well today and if you do happen to be struggling with OCD or anxiety you can get a free session with me, somebody who's been there themselves and to get that all you need to do is to head over to my website www.robertjamescoaching.com and there we can arrange the free session. On today's podcast we have the amazing Lauren McMeekin. Lauren is a licensed marriage and family therapist and a psychotherapist practicing at the Newport Beach office of the OCD Center of Los Angeles. She received her BA in psychology from UCLA and her MA in clinical psychology from the Antioch University. She practices mindfulness-based cognitive behavioral therapy with a focus on exposure and response prevention and acceptance commitment therapy. OCD has been the focus of her studies, writing and work since she began graduate school in 2014. Helping those struggling with OCD is her passion and she has primarily treated individuals with OCD since 2016. She also uh, focuses on treating people with anxiety disorders and obsessive compulsive spectrum disorders including body dysmorphic disorder and body focused Uh, repetitive behaviors. She is a certified intuitive eating counselor and treats people with eating disorders and body image struggles. This is the second time that Lauren has been on the podcast. Um, The first time was actually episode number two and was just before the the start of the pandemic. So a lot has obviously changed uh, in the world uh, during that time. And this is the start of our conversation uh, today. We we discussed some of the, the challenges that um, that uh, the, the pandemic has created for people who are struggling with OCD, but also some of the opportunities. And then we go on to look at uh, many different topics. We we take a look at uh, the fallacy of, of trying to focus on looking for a cure for OCD. We take a look at acceptance commitment therapy. Uh, we, we discuss uh, many other topics as well and I think um, it really comes across that Lauren is someone who's so uh, passionate and knowledgeable about OCD and about anxiety. Um, having struggled with it herself, you know, this passion really comes across in, in this interview. So I really hope that you, uh, that you find it helpful. And to find out more about Lauren, you can find her on Instagram at the obsessive mind or you can check out her website www.theobsessivemind.com so that's it guys i really hope that you find it helpful as always if you have any questions do please let me know and many thanks okay hi lauren welcome back to the podcast it's great to uh, see you again it's so great to be back thank you so much for having me uh, it's wonderful to to have you back on. So 
to start off with, I wanted to to speak to you. Obviously, um, you know, between uh, the last podcast and and now, a lot has changed in the world. I think yeah. the last time we spoke, it was about two or three weeks before the uh, the pandemic hit. And Wild. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and um, obviously, a lot has changed um, in the world since then. And unfortunately, I think it's uh, for many people struggling with with OCD. Uh, and anxiety it's made things uh, a lot more complicated a lot more more difficult what do you think the impact of uh, this pandemic I know it's a very broad question but mm. you know like uh, you can talk more specifically if you like about OCD but what do you think the impact has been from from the pandemic I was actually just having a conversation about this yesterday and but actually in like a, a sort of positive framework because I think up until the pandemic, there was more of an illusion of certainty than there is now. Um, I think the fact that our lives were all sort of universally uprooted in such a significant way so quickly made us all very aware of the fact that, that everything's constantly changing. And I think, although that certainly has heightened people's anxieties, I think that it also supports people potentially facing those anxieties and making space for the fact that we're part of this system that's constantly in flux. And when we make peace with that, I think you and I both know that this from personal experience, when you make, make peace with the fact that everything's constantly in flux, that's freedom. So while I can, I, I think that there have been a lot of impacts on this pandemic and some of that is an increase in anxiety some of it is an increased sort of opportunity to, to see the world as it really is and to potentially not be controlled by your thoughts and feelings ongoing, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's so true. You know, it's, it's um, in, in every challenging time, we have an opportunity to, mm. to, to face up to this challenge, to, to lean into it and to do our best to, to learn how to, to uh, be the best version of ourselves, despite the difficult situation and circumstances. And maybe even, you know, recognizing that we can find some kind of meaning within, yeah. within, within the struggle, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you and I are both big fans of ACT and Viktor Frankl and all of that good stuff. And I think you're absolutely right. It, and that is another thing that this pandemic has done. I think for so many of us who have this propensity to move quickly throughout the world, it slowed us all down for a moment in time. And now things are certainly picking back up in terms of speed. But we were given this opportunity oftentimes to be more, uh, be spending more time with family, more time with friends, uh, at least in our pods. Right. <laughs> um, but not, there wasn't so much pressure to be going and doing and seeing and right. Like, and producing it, there was a little bit more space that, that sort of forced us to focus on the, the sort of core things. And of course, I feel like I'm, I'm speaking at this from a very privileged place right now. And I just want to acknowledge that because I think that for a lot of people, obviously this pandemic has been earth shattering, mm. uh, for a lot of people, their jobs have been uprooted, their families or, you know, they have been physically harmed or even, you know, killed as a result of, of this disease. 
Um, so there's, there's, and obviously like, um, I'm also speaking from the perspective of being a therapist who understands how to navigate anxiety. Um, so there are a lot of things that I think I, I feel very grateful for, um, there, you know, there are so many people who are struggling out there because of that, this, and it's my hope that we can all support each other and, and support the people who are, who are in increased struggle as we walk through this time. Mm, Yeah. Absolutely. I think you're spot on, you know, to, to recognize uh, the very difficult situation that so many people are in now um, in so many different ways, no, in, in yeah. financially, mentally, physically. Uh, yeah. all of these well, and even, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go on. Go on. Oh, I was just going to say that I, I think uh, even, you know, I was mentioning the reason I thought of this is I was mentioning getting to spend more time with family. Well, that was not a great thing for some people, right? If you lived in an yeah. abusive home, that, that was, you were now trapped with your abuser. So, and that's just one example of many. And I, I think, yeah, there are so many ways to your point that this has impacted people. Hmm. Okay. Um, bringing it back to kind of OCD, uh, more specific kind of terms. Um, if someone's yeah. really struggling right now, um, with, you know, health related COVID related concerns, obviously, you know, it's very complicated, uh, for yeah. them. so much more complicated than it was a year and a half ago where, you know, it, it was very straightforward. The, the advice that we would give to people who are struggling with that kind of of uh of obsession at right. the moment though it's uh it, clearly it, it's much more complicated we have to to bear in mind many more factors when when giving advice and trying to provide people uh with the right treatment um in regards to uh you know health ocd and anxiety what tips would you would you give to to someone who's really struggling with with this right now due to you know due to the ongoing issues with the pandemic it's a great question and i think throughout the pandemic uh, the center that i work with the ocd center of los angeles and myself have had sort of the same stance which is we listen to the cdc and those those are the guidelines and i think it's not so different from life before the pandemic and that we weren't saying you should, for people with contamination OCD, you should never wash your hands, right? We were saying that we want to limit the amount of times that you're washing your hands and perhaps even have you touch things that, that are innocuous, that aren't really harmful, probably, um, so that you can get used to touching those things and not washing and feeling that discomfort. I think the major difference, of course, is that we stopped touching so many things without using hand sanitizer. But I think the same general guide applies is that, you know, we limit the, the response prevention is essentially, uh, being guided by certain principles. And before it was a sort of general consensus of like, after you use the restroom, probably okay to wash your hands. Right. Like, uh, so I think that's, that's part of it. And I also think that that exists within the realm of, of health anxiety on a larger scale that we're not saying that people shouldn't go to the doctor 
if they have uh, a physical ailment or uh, a sort of sensory experience that is new or different, we're saying that they should probably not go to more than one or maybe two doctors, right? Like that they shouldn't then go to five doctors and keep calling their doctor to make sure that their results are correct. And so everything in moderation, I suppose, is, is really the, the focus, I think. Mm -hmm. And so for people who are still struggling, I think it's about taking steps that are consistent with the CDC guidelines and back to values. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, yeah, it's, uh, I think, I think, uh, moderation is, is the right, the right thing to say, uh, here. Um, just as a side note in the UK, they, uh, they have this system of, I know you have family in the UK, so maybe, you know, about yeah, this. yeah, I do. Yeah. So they have the, these, uh, lateral flow tests. Um, so meaning that you can, uh, the, the government is encouraging people to test themselves twice a week with these, hmm. uh, lateral flow tests. Um, which in one regard is pretty helpful, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. great. You can know whether, whether you're positive or not. And they're pretty, they're pretty accurate, but yeah. you know, they're, they're not as accurate as a, yeah. as a PCR test. And the problem is with it, that it's very, very easy then to become obsessive about how many of these lateral flow tests you're using. And then, you know, maybe you decide that it's the, the lateral flow test isn't good enough. You've done right. two of them, but you still need to, you know, to feel like you, you, you're definitely sure that you're okay or that you're definitely not going to infect somebody else. I know a lot yeah. of questions I'm getting from people right now is, is about that, this kind of concern and guilt around, you know, infecting perhaps a, a daughter or a son or a, a family member or somebody vulnerable who's close to them. And, yeah. uh, and, and so people are kind of terrified to, to spend time with other people. Um, and, uh, in, in some circumstances, they obviously have a point, but in other circumstances, you know, it's definitely the OCD kind of taking over. Right. And, and, and so, you know, many people are avoiding situations and, and not leaving their home. And I, you know, I think this is obviously a kind of uh, tragedy in a way because yeah the more isolated we become not spending time with people the worse the kind of OCD tends to get over time yeah no that's uh, so true <laughs> yeah it's so true I think that there's I I love economics I know very little about it just enough to be dangerous right and uh and the the whole idea of opportunity cost and the law of diminishing returns are particularly pertinent, pertinent rather when it comes to OCD, or maybe I just see everything through an OCD lens because that's what I do. But, um, I think the idea being that every choice we make it, there's, we're losing something, right. We're gaining, we're potentially gaining something, but we're also missing out on some opportunity. And I think that people, in the COVID circumstance, there's this idea of, I'm going to keep myself perfectly safe for some. And what, what gets missed is the opportunity that's being given up there, the opportunity to connect, the opportunity to be of service, the opportunity to do your work, whatever the thing is. And that 
over time, I think the, the more, and it's like with any compulsion that washing your hands, let's just take washing your hands uh, as an example, washing your hands to a certain point makes a great deal of sense. The investment of time and energy and resources and washing your hands, it, it has an output to it, right? Like it tends to keep us more safe uh, from, from physical issues. Unfortunately, at a point, it starts to level off, right? You can wash your hands once for 20 seconds and you'll have this much effect, but then you invest another 20 seconds, 20 minutes. I don't know what the number is, honestly. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, doctors scrubbing for surgery could probably speak more eloquently on this point, but at a certain point, the, the level of impact starts to decrease right? the, the amount of benefit that you see from continuing to wash decreases. And eventually you actually start to lose, right? Like you, you start to have uh, losses as a result of the investments that you're making. So you can now, let's say, wash for 30 minutes with hot water that's scalding your hands and your hands start to crack and dry. And now you're actually more prone to mm. disease. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. recognizing where we are on that sort of curve, right. As it, as it were that, and trying to keep it around, uh, there's a point, uh, the point of, um, oh, I don't know what it's called. See, this is what I mean. I don't know enough about economics, but the, there's a point at which your input and output are somewhat optimized, right? You get, you're get, putting as little in for as much output as possible. And that's what we're looking for. And I think, but balancing that, balancing all of this to say in a roundabout way, like balancing the, what you're putting into something and what you're getting out is really important. And so if we take this back to this question of, um, you know, of OCD and, and the pandemic, right? Like the, you might, for example, avoid people and to a certain degree, that's probably to your benefit. But if you avoid all people, then you're going to start to have some of the, like, it's going to not be protecting you so much more or protecting others so much more, maybe more to the point. Uh, and yet it's costing you so much and, and, and sort of keeping that in mind, I think is important. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also kind of coming down to, as it often, um, often does with OCD, coming down to the difficult decisions that we have to make. Uh, you know, recognizing that we do have to make a decision and even not making a decision is a decision in a way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so recognizing the fact that if we make a decision to, to stay away from doing the difficult thing, that, you know, that's our choice. We've made, yeah. we've made that choice and uh, it's taking us away from kind of bringing it back to act, but it's taking yeah. us away from who we want to be, where we want to, where we want to go and our values. Uh, whereas if we make the positive choice, you know, it's taking us to where, towards our values and where we want to be. And it's going to help us in the long run with the OCD as well. Um, right. You know, so often it, it comes back to that, but yeah, I think really good point what you were making there about the kind of law of diminishing returns no it's yeah to a certain point where 
it's just not going to be helping you anymore at all. Quite the opposite. Right. Uh, in fact, like I kind of uh, relationship OCD is quite a good uh, example of this, mm. where if you're very unsure uh, about uh, the fidelity of your partner and you're bringing this up constantly, despite the fact that somewhere you know that you trust them, but you keep bringing it up again and again and again, you know, at some point that's going to end up causing some problems in the relationship. In the relationship. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that the yes, and what what you're what you're pointing to is the law of diminishing returns as well in the particular uh, context that we've been talking about of the pandemic, right? Like the values piece, mm. you, it starts to detract from your life. So yeah. you're doing this thing to try to preserve your life to to make sure that you're helping others and follow your values, but then all of a sudden it, it's on its head. Mm. Um, but you're right. Absolutely. It happens in so many different types of OCD. Uh, this is where, I mean, I think p- people call it a self-fulfilling prophecy, but it's not even, it's not magic. It's that the, the behavior over time becomes less and less effective to the stage where it actually becomes actively ineffective, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, it's, it's kind of a cruel joke, honestly, but yeah, absolutely. That's how it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, good. And I, uh, I wanted to, to speak to you about, um, you know, about this, because uh, this is something I really struggled with in the past myself. And I, it's mm-hmm. something that I think uh, most people who struggle with OCD at some point uh, struggle with, and mm-hmm. that is looking for the perfect kind of cure for OCD. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's quite a hot kind of topic of discussion because different people have different opinions and different takes on it. Um, you were kind of talking about self-fulfilling prophecies just a, a second ago. And, you know, it's, it's very easy, I think, if we focus too much on, on OCD, you know, and the label of OCD to, to kind of um, to, to make it so, to, to make it so that we'll always be focused on obsessions and and having to perform compulsions to deal with that anxiety um but also you know the the kind of idea of of wanting to heal uh wanting Mm -hmm. to completely heal and find the perfect cure is something that can can keep us trapped in the same kind of way as a self-fulfilling prophecy uh because unfortunately in my experience when i'm always looking for the perfect cure i'm not focused on acceptance i'm not uh i'm not able to to just be with the difficult uh, emotions and feelings that, that accompany ocd i'm fighting with it and yeah. i'm struggling and generally i'm making things worse for myself but when i do you know give up on that that search for the cure there's a part of me that feels annoyed like I'm kind of resigning myself to, yeah to, to, to always having OCD and always feeling like this and it's a mm. it's a tricky line that we have to tread I think it is in between those two things I mean of course we want to be uh, accepting um, but that doesn't mean that we're resigning ourselves to it no you're absolutely right um 
Sorry, what were you going to say? You were no, going to ask I, a question? I, I, yeah, I just like to to know your your opinions on that and where where you fall on this uh, this discussion. Yeah. 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 Uh, so it's interesting because one of the things that you brought up when you mentioned how acceptance can turn into resignation or can be misidentified as, oh, I'm supposed to resign myself. Uh, it, it, the idea that I'm going to feel this way forever is at the, the center of that. But the thing is, we're never going to feel any way forever. So when we say we're accepting that we have OCD or that we're having an emotional experience or that we're having thoughts, we're accepting them now. And we're also accepting the fact that there's uncertainty about whether or not there will be more in the future. So when we were talking in the beginning about the pandemic, the, the, the whole concept of accepting uncertainty and, and what has been forced upon us, it, it really makes us live in a very present focused manner. We don't, we're not trying to get to and figure out what the next thing is. And we're, we're just, oh, what's this thing? We're, we're in that sort of curiosity realm. And I think approaching with that, that's actually, in, in fact, when we're talking about resignation, that curiosity is it's sort of antithetical to resignation because it's hopeful at its core. It's just sort of intrigued about this whole life process, not hopeful in that we're hoping that it's going to be different or it's going to be a specific way, but just really accepting of, mm. of the whole thing. Yeah, I, I love the word curiosity, actually, in this, in this regard, because it's absolutely spot on. You know, it's much more uh, hopeful. And actually, I think it's the, it leads to healing, actual mm. healing, you know, curiosity. It's uh, a stance of saying, okay, there's something that's coming up. It's repeatedly coming up. Perhaps it's been coming up since childhood. Mm. Um, and, uh, but that's okay. And perhaps for a long time, you've been pushing it away in different yeah. ways whether through alcohol, whether through, you know, food, whether through uh, compulsions, yeah. know, pushing away that feeling, that sensation, that discomfort, because, you know, for whatever reason, it reminds you of something very, very uncomfortable. Um, yeah. And I think when we can be curious about that, uh, it begins to change it just a little bit where we can begin to see some openings of, okay, this is actually here, perhaps, you know, to, to teach me something, you yes. know, to, to help me in some way. It's not just a bad thing. It's not just a set of, you know, obsessions and compulsions that I perform around this thing. Actually, you know, this, okay, I don't like this feeling. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want right. it. However, what can I learn from it? And, you know, maybe, maybe it's trying to teach me something. No, right. Absolutely. Because I mean, it would be different if we lived in a world where there weren't constantly challenges and sources of pain that we're coming up against, even small sources of pain and annoyance. Uh, so that is, it's the truth. It's you are actually giving, being given the opportunity to practice being in the presence of, of something that is not optimal to you and developing a different relationship with it. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, moving on to, to the next point, cause it's kind of related to this and mm. um, obviously 
you know a lot about acceptance commitment therapy it's something that you work with a lot um the word acceptance though uh is something like more recently i've been kind of exploring picking apart a little bit because so often i think with ocd um when we tell people okay you need to bring acceptance to this it's it's very difficult for them yeah. um yeah. Because it's a difficult concept in general. I mean, if you meditate every day for six months, then you're going to start having a better concept of, mm-hmm. of what acceptance is. But even then, you know, it's still, it's still difficult. And I think with, with OCD, actually, often what we're, what we're talking about a lot of the time isn't necessarily pure acceptance. It's mm-hmm. more kind of tolerance it's uh, sometimes it's kind of tolerating that anxiety, allowing mm. it to be there. This is this is from me. Like this is what yeah. I feel like. I feel like I wish I would accept things more purely, uh, like to bring like a hundred percent acceptance to to something. I think would be to kind of not struggle with that thing anymore. I think mm. if I was able to do that. I would feel different, but I'm hundred percent acceptance is very hard. I think, uh, right. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think it's a practice. You can't mm. accept something. You can only accept something one moment at a time, right? Like kind of like what we were saying before it's there's this desire, uh, this, this idea that I can be 100% accepting of something. And I think that that's possibly true in a moment. And then you might go back to resistance and you might be in the middle and there's, there's all sorts of flavors of acceptance and degrees of acceptance. There we go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 And so I don't think we are ever going to, I don't live at 100% acceptance all the time. I pivot to it more quickly than I used to. I, I get back to like, all right, I'm resisting this and that's not going to help me. I'm just going to try and open my heart to this. I, I'm going to have this experience right now. Absolutely. And there are days, you know, where we are accepting more, you no. Know? And, and when yeah. we're accepting more, that's when things really start to flow, where you experience a lot less uh, obsessive thinking, a lot less rumination, a lot less uh, yeah. anxiety in general because you're not making it worse by by kind of ruminating about it you're just kind of bringing more acceptance to it right uh, but other right. days for whatever reason it's incredibly hard to have acceptance there's days where it just the stuff keeps coming up and yeah. it just feels so hard and on those days for me it can feel more like okay, today I'm going to have to struggle with this a little bit, you know, Mm. I'm going to have to just tolerate this feeling and knowing that if I am able to tolerate it and not engage with it, you know, because so often I just feel like it wants me to just engage because once I start engaging, that's generally going to be my compulsion and it's going to make me feel better for a short time, but it's just going to make things worse. And so- Yeah. And if that, right, like it may never even make it to the point where it makes you feel better. Maybe it just backfires and re-triggers you. It's Ex- yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so yeah. I, I like to use the metaphor of like, you know, running a marathon, you know, if you're running a marathon, you're at mile 24, you, uh, you may be in a bit of pain by this point, you know, like, <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably, uh, 
you're going to be struggling. Let's let's be honest. I I definitely would be struggling pre-pandemic mm-hmm. with my fitness levels not as good as they were before. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, you're going to be struggling. You might be in some pain. You're going to want to bring some form of acceptance to that. But actually, mm. in that situation, when you're in a lot of pain like that it's going to be more something like tolerance. And I think some mm-hmm. of the time it's like that with, with OCD. I think I have mm-hmm. to try to, obviously, I think the goal is to bring more, more acceptance. And when we do that, we do feel better. But sometimes yeah. tolerance is, is also helpful. Yeah, I think it's what we can access in the moment. Yeah. Right? And I think, actually, I love the example of physical activity because I think it's such a, a beautiful window into this idea of acceptance and, and even to your point, tolerance. But uh, I used to practice not as much anymore. I do practice, but not regularly uh, yoga. And the whole practice there is to be mindful. So very aware in the present moment uh, without judgment of a bunch of really uncomfortable physical experiences and whether that's a stretch that's really got your, you know, hamstrings firing off or it's, you know, holding a warrior pose and, and your quads are really angry at you that there is this opportunity to see what it's like to just notice it all unfolding. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you're right. Some days you're going to realize that there's also a bit of annoyance or, or frustration that comes up. And I think a lot of it has to do with accepting that you're frustrated, right? Like in addition to having this experience, I I think that's very different from then ruminating about the frustration and, and sort of chewing on it's so unfair. And I shouldn't be feeling like this. That's not going to help cognitive elements probably are, are not super helpful for a lot of things when it comes to OCD, like we tend Mm -hmm. to be very cognitive people. Yep. And we tend to churn about things. So really just dropping into, oh, in addition to having this anxiety, I'm also noticing frustration. Okay. Welcome to you too. We're like, but to your point, ultimately it's just about being willing to bring it along for the ride. So whatever it is that typically you'd be resisting, it's, Mm -hmm. it's about, taking steps forward and doing your best to release into whatever you're feeling. Yeah, I I really like that. I think it's a really good point, you know, just kind of very simple uh, activity, just to label stuff for what it is and to recognize that for whatever reason, you're not accepting that particular emotion that's layered on top of the fact that you're also not accepting something else. Uh (laughs) Well, and you can accept it and yeah. And the, the other piece is not actually not acceptance. It's just yeah. frustration, right? Yeah, so yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. that too, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, okay, I, just one more question really that I have. Yeah. Um, I reached out to you uh, recently because you posted something I thought was really uh, inspiring about mm-hmm. your kind of personal journey with, you know, struggles with uh, anxiety and OCD and, 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 yes. uh, you know, and uh, other things as well. One of the things you were talking about there was was kind of alcohol and um, you know you briefly mentioned that you hadn't like uh, like drunk alcohol at all for since you were I don't know very young nineteen yeah yeah is that wild yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and um, you know I I've, I uh, I mean recently so it's been three months now I've not I've not drunk anything for 
and I just wanted to to kind of give that a go routinely kind of take breaks from alcohol because I feel a lot better uh, in mm. general with my mental health when when I when I do that um, and the yeah. OCD again is easier to manage it's easier to accept it's also easier to like meditate on a regular basis it's easier to to motivate myself to to exercise yeah is, <laughs> is, I get that yeah is it something that you uh you generally recommend to people to try to kind of reduce alcohol or what do you what do you recommend people in that regard I think that it really depends on your relationship to alcohol hmm. I know so I actually got sober before I got treatment for OCD hmm. So personally, I can't speak to how it impacted my recovery, but I think that because the, the process of ERP is so much focused on learning how to tolerate emotions that using pretty much anything as a, an escape hatch is probably not going to be super useful to you overall. Now I'm not suggesting that if you have a drinking issue that you quit cold Turkey or like you probably should consult a, a medical professional, frankly, because it, there are serious repercussions to just coming off of alcohol. If you're, you're drinking at an extreme. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it, problematic with treatment because it, it is this escape hatch and it's, it's sending yourself the message that, Oh, this is the level of feeling that I can't tolerate. Mm. This is that that's the cutoff, right? I need help at that point versus if there is no help, whether that there's no compulsions or no drinking or no, you know, turning to some sort of emotional support for like through behaviors that are not necessarily aligned with values or with your best interest. Um, right. That you're going to sort of be telling yourself that you can't do it which is unfortunate there's absolutely yeah you're yeah. right that, that's at the center of it for me I, I think and it's that idea of you know you need to have something external from yourself to be able to deal with that discomfort and that anxiety um, right whereas if you are kind of doing the opposite like ERP in a way is is learning to do the opposite really it's learning yeah. to say okay i'm going to put myself in this challenging situation and all these resources that i have are enough yeah. i don't need anything else i i can do this no yeah yeah absolutely no that's it and I, I think that even outside of the realm of alcohol so many people have this misconception that there's some amount of feeling that they can't feel mm. and it's it does them such a disservice and i think it's part of a larger cultural narrative the way that we talk about feelings right i i just i couldn't i felt too anxious right what does that mean really you you didn't and not that we need to beat you up for that or be unkind to you about that but let's at least acknowledge the element of choice here yes. because all, uh, so much of our languaging is around, I had a mental breakdown, really. I, again, what is that? It's such a like large and nebulous term. And it sounds very scary, but really, I think it's people describing feeling a lot of feelings and having a lot of thoughts and oftentimes putting their life on pause for some reason. And that actually, I think, sounds a lot less daunting than 
I had a mental breakdown because what's the solution to that, right? That, that's this thing that can come at us at any given time and completely overtake us. And this has been, interestingly enough, a big part of my journey in getting sober was uh, taking uh, an element of responsibility. Right? Like that's, I learned that I got sober in 12 step and, and I really learned that, oh, I have agency here. I can, uh, I don't have to put myself around people that are, um, upsetting to me, or I don't have to say it or continue to, um, do things that are going to be harmful to me. Right. I can, I can make different choices, even if they're hard, even if Absolutely. they're challenging. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's actually, it's being more, more authentic. No, it, it, it brings you back your, your kind of personal power that, that perhaps you kind of feel like when you are drinking or whatever, you feel like this power is coming from outside of you. But when yeah. you take that power back, when you realize that actually it's a choice, like you just said, you, yeah. know, you, you feel so much better. You feel a lot more, a lot stronger and a lot more able to, to deal with uh, adversity. And yeah. perhaps one of the bigger things you mentioned as well, I think is that is you uh society in general seems to have an issue with emotions mm -hmm. um we we all struggle with it pushing pushing difficult emotions down not allowing them to come to the surface yeah. um you know like uh emotions in exile if you like um, <laughs> get rid of those damn things pesky yeah, emotions exactly and uh <laughs> you know it's uh it's a way of dealing with it but unfortunately it doesn't help us with with mental health in the, in the long run no because it, at that point we're now if we're not willing to feel them we're slaves to them mm. because now they're going to dictate all our behavior trying to get rid of feeling them yeah. versus that's that, that's actually a great sort of seeming contradiction is that the more willing you are to feel feelings the less emotionally driven that you are <laughs> right isn't that so yeah, strange absolutely true so many contradictions uh involved yeah. in mental health and otd no it's uh it's yeah. Full of them. yeah definitely definitely but i i'm glad that you brought up this question of of alcohol and ocd i think a lot of people turn to it to mm. sort of shut shut down the endless questions and attempts at answering, you know, it's, it, it can, if you're stuck and you don't know the way out, it can feel pretty torturous. Mm. And so I think it's really important. There's, you know, a pretty significant overlap in, uh, OCD and substance use disorders. So talking about that and, and supporting people who live with both is something that I think I'm really passionate about. And I think that hopefully the conversation around that will continue to grow. I'm actually, um, presenting at the IOCDF, which is the international OCD foundation conference about OCD and 12 step. Um, oh, wow. yeah. In October, is it? And then, uh, doing a lot of work with OCD game changers around the conversation of OCD and, and substance use disorder more generally. And certainly 12 step is not the only way to walk through recovery and it's not right for everybody. So having a larger discussion of different ways and what that can look like. Yeah. Fantastic. That sounds really interesting. Maybe um, I can put something about that in the notes so people can find out more about that when it's uh... Is that, is that going to be online? Can people kind of watch that online or is it? 
So yeah, so the two separate things, the the IOCDF with the 12 step and OCD is happening in October and there it's an online conference. The International OCD Foundation is having a second online conference. So that's fantastic for people, Mm -hmm. anyone listening who's interested in learning more about living with OCD. Uh, And then OCD Game Changers, we have uh, events planned every month and there'll be sort of more coming out about that, but that will be available online as well. We'll be doing uh, panels and, um, sort of more direct interviews and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, that'll all be, all be available online. Again, one of the other great things about the pandemic, right. It pushed us all to do things in a space yeah. where it's more yeah. accessible. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, yeah. Lauren, sorry, I have one more very quick question. Do it. And, and that is if you can, uh, if you could only recommend, uh, one book to people mm-hmm. who are struggling with OCD and anxiety, what would that one book be? Can I have two? I don't know that I want one, really. <laughs> yes, of course. You can have two. No, no You're really pushing me. I like it. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to give two because one's more practical and one's more aligned with maybe this larger question of living with uncertainty that I think is just so important in recovery. So the first is the Mindfulness Workbook for OCD, written by John Hershield and Tom Corboy. I'm not just advocating for that book because Tom happens to be my boss um, and former supervisor. I actually, it, it very much mirrors my, um, my, like the, the approach that I use. And then in addition to that, I like the book living beautifully with uncertainty and change by Pema Chodron who is a Buddhist nun. And, uh, you know, there are certainly references to Buddhism in there, but I think that it can very much be a secular book and just talking about the ability to notice when we get unnerved with this idea that we're, that there's so much unknown. Yeah. Fantastic. That's great. So, uh, Lauren, thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful having you back on and talking again. Thank you. Likewise. Lovely to talk to you always. Fantastic. Please remember, if you are struggling with OCD and anxiety, you can get a free consultation uh, with me. All you need to do to get that is to head over to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com and uh, send me a message and we, we can sort that out. And if you like, you can also follow me on Instagram uh, at robertjamescoachinguk. Many thanks. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view my website, Instagram page, Facebook group, or anywhere else online, or any information that you listen to on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist, or any other medical or mental health professional.